Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In the documentary film, Public Trust, David Byers utilizes extensive research and interviews with tribal leaders, government whistleblowers, journalists, and historians. Public Trust follows people who are fighting back against the forces who are gobbling up our public land for commercial purposes. Along the way, we meet heroic activists who are defining the land from corrupt interest. The film focuses on three land-based conflicts, the slashing of Bears Ears National Monument in Utah, the potential permanent destruction of the Boundary Waters Wilderness in Minnesota and the de facto sale of one of the last wild places in America, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. The film, again, is called Public Trust, and it is coming out on YouTube on September 25th, coming right up. You'll want to check this out. And we're joined today by the director, and that would be David Byers. David, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. This is a film, if you don't get mad at a lot of different points of the film, you're not paying attention because uh, this is uh, something that, as you've said in the past, and, and I'll reiterate, it's happening in plain sight. Public lands are being stolen literally from our national treasure, which is our national treasure. It's being stolen from us by some of the most pernicious, greedy interest in the world. Uh, and before Tell me, David Byers, how did you become so interested in this subject that you wanted to do a documentary about it? Yeah, so thanks for asking that. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm originally from Georgia, where there's not a whole lot of federal uh, public lands there. And so I moved out west in my 20s and was kind of fascinated by the fact that there, you know, and just became aware of the fact that there were 640 million acres of lands that I'm in part an owner of, you know, and that fascinated me. And what was really interesting is that there were people who hated that idea. And so I went uh, to one of these protests against federally managed public lands in uh, southern Utah, made a short film out of that called Recapture, and then kind of got a big reaction to that on the festival circus and then decided to kind of expand outward that into a feature, which eventually became uh, No Man's Land. But so No Man's Land really kind of focuses on a microcosm of this larger public lands conflict, um, you know, that being the, the Bundy takeover of the National Wildlife Refuge in Oregon. That really didn't dig into the topic as a whole, and that's something that I wanted to do, but I wasn't really sure that could be done, uh, just because, you know, public lands, it's not one thing, it's hard to explain, it's, it's managed by, like, 15 different government entities, like, you know, it's almost so big as to be an abstraction, you know, it's, it's all these things that are really hard to, like, actually <clears throat> make a film out of. And so that's when I met my producer, Jeremy Rubing. He has forgotten more about public lands than I will ever know because he's been <laughs> immersed in the topic since he was a kid. And all of his adult life and career has been spent working in uh, the public lands arena. So he kind of convinced me to, to, to kind of reopen this. And together we approached Patagonia, who was also looking to do a public lands film. And um, the rest uh, is kind of history. You know, we came to them with a very basic outline of what we wanted to do. And they very quickly said, yeah, sounds great. Let's do it. And, you know, that's something that very rarely happens in documentary filmmaking. Um, And it was uh, simultaneously very, you know, exciting and also, you know, terrifying because now we're on the hook for making this very, very big and difficult film. 
It is a big topic. And yeah. just before we uh, go down the, the road of, you know, kind of describing why that's such a big topic, Patagonia has really stepped up. There's a, they've put out a number of documentary films that are pretty terrific stuff and really kind of focused on many of the topics that you touch on in this film. And uh, so c- congratulations to you for working with them and congrats- congratulations to them for, for, as I said, stepping up. 640 million acres. Okay, I, that's an amazing and kind of overwhelming number uh, for people, as you said, to wrap their heads around. But I think you, at the very beginning of the film, you make an important distinction. Most people think public lands are, are national parks. You go to Yellowstone, you go to Yosemite, you think, oh, that's, oh, that's what they're talking about. But actually, it's, it's much more than that, if you'd like to dive into that question. Yeah, that sure. So the U.S. system, of, the system of U.S. public lands, is it's managed by a bunch of different agencies, from the Bureau of Land Management, which is under the Interior, to the National Forest Service, which is actually, you know, under the uh, Department of Agriculture. And then there's all these other entities like refuges, and then there's LWCF land, which is in actually every single county in the United States, which could be your ballpark or your greenway or your tennis courts or whatever. You know, there's these public spaces that are bought with federal land money that are actually federally federally managed public lands that belong to you and I. And so it's it's this hard thing and you know and, and just geographically it's so diverse. You have, you know, uh you have the you know Everglades uh down in Florida and you have, you know, the Teton National the Tetons up in, you know, Wyoming and like just it's 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 literally everything. It's the most like diverse collection of lands on the planet and it's all kind of one kind of large abstract almost abstract thing right and what makes it uh so interesting and what makes the united states unique where we actually have land set aside that is not for development uh is for the public good is that am i saying that correctly is are we unique or yeah no absolutely um we are unique in the way that we have these public lands there are you know similar analogs in other countries um but not to the scale and not at this kind of like egalitarian model uh, as we have in the United States. You know, we are required to, the agencies are required to manage public lands, uh, not only for things that we need in this country, like extraction and stuff like that, but also for, they have to balance that with the common good, which also includes the environment and wildlife management and stuff like that. So there's these kind of necessary tensions that happen um, on our federal public lands that, uh, you know, play out in larger conflicts as well which is what we see. But the fact is, you know, we have a say in what we as a normal Americans, everyday citizens have a, have a big say in what happens on these public lands. Right. Right. And, and that is the heart and soul of the film is the attempt on the part of moneyed interest, whether it be, as you mentioned, extraction, mineral uh, companies, mining companies, uh, oil development, or all kinds of really big industries who are very interested in our our public land and in many ways in which they have attempted over several decades to essentially steal it out from under us. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about sort of some of these attempts. Before I do that, a tip of the hat to Teddy Roosevelt, who is in many ways the originator of this idea that the, that there should be a public land option for the United States and did a lot to promote that. I believe every president since then has added to that public land. Yeah. Every president uh, since Roosevelt has added to uh, 
protections on public lands. And that includes, you know, George W. Bush with the huge refuge out in Hawaii, um, you know, just everyone has, um, except for the Trump administration. The Trump administration is the only administration in the history uh, since Teddy Roosevelt that has unprotected more public lands than it has protected. Yeah. Well, there's that. And so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and also really aided and abetted the attempt to essentially sell off as much as possible our public land. Would that be a yeah. fair statement? I would absolutely say that's the case, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, unprotecting the areas uh, around the Bears Ears area and Grand Escalante National Monument, um, starting to lease those out to oil and gas. Um, same thing with the Arctic Refuge. Uh, that's something that's supposed to be protected. They're trying to lease that out to oil and gas as well. That's something that's, you know, never been on the table until the Trump administration came around uh, to doing that. And then, you know, a lot of these places like industry has no appetite for either. So it, it's kind of like this kind of empty signaling to industry that, hey, we're on your side. And, and a lot of these people are like, hey, we don't necessarily want to drill there or extract there because it's too expensive. Or it's you know very politically unpopular for us to do that. Right. It's just this kind of bizarre uh, signaling and overreach of, of, of the federal government in terms of taking these lands that belong to all of us and giving, allowing companies to extract on them and leaving us on the hook for the cleanup. Let's talk about some of the great people that you you showcase in this film who are really doing the work to preserve to protect and also in many ways to enhance our public lands. Talk about some of the people we meet on, on our journey. Yeah, absolutely. So we've always, <clears throat> ever since we were pitching this from the Patagonia, we've kind of been talking about this film as part love, love letter and part expose. And so really that comes through in our characters. And then identifying our characters, we needed to kind of identify because our, our characters really do represent the nexus of, you know, loving these lands and then fighting for them as well. Identifying these characters came through our process of identifying what kind of geographies we were going to actually focus on. What we wanted were conflicts that were modern, that had historical context, that, are called, that could also, if not represent the entirety of public lands, at least do justice to the idea of public lands. There had to be diversity in terms of what they look like and where they are in the United States and, you know, what's, what's on those. And so we identified those, um, those end up being, you know, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, the Bears Ears area in Southern Utah and also the Boundary Waters in Minnesota. And then we set about finding the characters who, who would kind of represent those areas. And that ended up being, you know, Bernadette Dementiev, uh, head of the Butchin City, like she's amazing. There's, there's like no, there's not a grain of selfishness or ego in her. Like she's just in it for all, all the right reasons. You have Angelo Baca in, in, in Bears Ears, who's incredibly passionate and also a talented communicator and filmmaker in his own right, who, who does really well, uh, you know, kind of giving heart and uh, to the Bears Ears area, but also leading us through, you know, a very complex issue, you know, very uh, quickly and intelligently in a way that's, um, that works for the film format. And then you have Spencer Shaver from the Boundary Waters, who's spent his life going out to the Boundary Waters area and has a real connection to that land as well. And, you know, brings a passion and an earnestness to that that is just, you know, you don't really find in very many people. So we, it was very obvious who we should be following. In other words, whenever we went to these places, and that's kind of what gives me hope. There are those three people, and then there are a lot of people like them that are fighting, for, that are fighting these fights. And they're not going to give up. You know, they're relentless and they're in it for the right reasons. Yeah. This is the thing that uh, I do appreciate about 
the sort of the Western mentality is a sort of a dogged determination, right. you know, yeah. and I, and I think that there's something that's, that's certainly going to serve all of these people well. And, uh, and I think uh, the reason I say Western, because that's where most of this land is. Most of the, the attractive land to development is in the West for minerals right. and the oil extraction and all the other stuff. One of the things that impressed me most in the film was the community of people who react very quickly to, to any given situation. It does seem like it, it's a rather loose configuration of people, but once they're energized, they're truly energized to move forward and really defend these very valuable lands. A lot of this just has to do with awareness. You know, like I think that once people like become aware of these lands, I, people are aware of these lands, but once they become like really kind of internalize the fact that, that, that they have a say in these lands, that they actually own these lands and the federal government is, you know, merely, you know, caretaking for them. And we get to tell we're the, actually the boss of the federal government. Like once those kind of three things align with people yeah. you know that's empowerment right there yeah. and so it's it's people become very impassioned about the public lands and about what their role in protecting those could and or should be you know that's that's kind of what we're hoping for with this film as well is to yeah. help people kind of internalize this concept of uh, public lands and that they do belong to them and that's something that I went through as well, you know, not only in the making of this film, but with my journey out West, you know, as a young man coming to Colorado. It's an emotionally engaging film. I really was um, happily surprised by just how emotionally invested I felt in it as I was watching it. And it does, it brings to, to my mind, I'm angry, I'm pissed off that this is happening. And it's happening in ways that are anti-democratic, right? You, and let's get sort of the meat of the political part of this. Uh, there's an organization called ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Commission or Council. And they are responsible for being kind of a clearinghouse of legislation that, that comes out of them and goes directly to state legislatures all around the country. And it, they sort of coordinate this kind of, not just around the issue of public trust, but around a lot of issues. It's a very efficient way for moneyed interests to get their legislation out to a lot of different places in a very quick period of time. Do you want to talk about sort of the politics of what's happening with our land or is that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there are some people... I mean, it all comes down to money, right? You know, there are some people who are going to see public lands and see it as the last cash cow left on the planet. They're going to see, you know, the unextracted minerals in the ground. They're not going to see the mesas. They're going to see the oil underneath the mesas. They're not going to see, you know, the porcupine caribou herd and its majestic thousands of miles, you know, migration every year. They're going to see, you know, the amount of money that they could extract out of that and put in their own pocket. And when that happens, those people those kind of people generally are very powerful and have lots of resources already. And then, you know, can use those resources to lean on the levers of our politicians and our, our system of government in order to tilt the table towards themselves and make them make themselves, uh, you know, more apt to be able to benefit from those lands um, in an extractive way. Yeah, and there's something in the politics of it that I, I think I, I want to point this out because it's something very specific, but it's in the film and I think it's really important because it kind of goes to this question of you think you're hearing something that is good, but at the end of the day, it's really not. It's really kind of a, a subterfuge to, to steal our land. And that is this idea that as a compromise, 
the uh, these legislatures and the federal government are are talking about turning over these public lands to state governments, right? Well, that sounds okay. Well, it's not a federal land. Gosh, it's a state land, and they'll take care of it. So it's not really leaving the realm of a public land trust. Right. The fact of the matter is, and it, it makes sense once you think about it, the minute they do that, most of the states in the country, if not all of them, would be unable to manage and finance the management and the, and the care of those lands. So essentially, by this compromise, you're essentially handing it over to private interest. Have oh, yeah. I mischaracterized that? Not at all. Like, um, you know, I think Hal puts it very well in the film. You know, the minute, the minute that, these land, that there was a fire or anything like that on these lands, you know, fires are very much on our consciousness right now. Yeah. Like uh, the state of California can't afford to fight all the fires on all the federal land right now. They have to have federal assistance to do that, you know. And also the California state constitution, much like many states, mandate that mandates that they make money off of their state lands. So if the only way to make money off your state lands is to sell them off, they are constitution, constitutionally mandated to do that, right. you know, within their own, within their own rules. Right. You know, um, and so they, you know, they can't, that that's essentially what's going on is like the United States as a whole has decided that we want these public lands and we we've decided as a people, whether you're in New York or whether you're in Florida or whether, you know, wherever you are that you want, you know, the Bears Ears National Monument to exist and that we want, you know, there to be national parks. We want there to be Bureau of Land Management land that we can manage like to keep species alive and stuff like that, have biodiversity, have ecosystem services and stuff like that. So it's really a larger picture thing. And once the transfer to the states was happened, they would pretty much be mandated to sell those lands off to the highest bidder. And that's not going to be you or me, you know, spoiler right. alert. Right. right. So it, it, again, if you hear, if you're listening to the sound of this interview, if you hear from someone else says, oh, well, the state's going to manage these public lands. So, you know, so what's the big deal? It is a lie. Because right. that eventually that will end up almost without doubt they'll end up in the in the hands of private interests. And the other part of it is is there is a demonstrable history of of these companies coming in and mining, extracting, and and they leave it a mess. The second that there's no longer a profitable reason to be in these locations, they split and they leave behind an ecological nightmare. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That you we know, clean up, that we spend money to clean up. The absolutely. Yeah. You know, whatever companies can get away with, they're going to get away with. That is, their, that is their fiduciary duty to their shareholders is to make as much profit as possible. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's agnostic. It's not like actively evil, but like, you know, the, the, the results of that is the fact that they will, they will lean on the political levers. They will, uh, they will find loopholes. They will start shell companies. They'll they'll commit. You know they'll have those shell companies declare bankruptcy so they don't, they're not responsible for the cleanup. They'll do whatever possible to make as much money for their shareholders as as they can, and that is their mandate. That is what they are designed to do. So it, what it is, it's up to us to decide what's what's appropriate. You right. know, and that's why we have regulation. That's why we have rules. You know, and stuff like that. And otherwise, because industry is going to try to get away with whatever they can. That is what they are designed to do. You, know? you, you say the same thing I've been saying for years, and that is companies, as you just stated, I want to restate this because I think it's important. You could say companies or corporations are evil, this, that. You can, you can assign all kinds of 
human uh, emotions and, and motives to companies. No, it's very simple. They are legally bound to maximize profit for their shareholders. And it is completely, as you said, agnostic as to how they do that. They don't care. It's like a shark swimming through water. It, it has to eat and it has to keep moving. And that's what corporations are legally obligated to do so exactly so uh well i i just i terrific film just absolutely loved it it's a it's a beautiful film the the cinematography of course you're you're photographing some of the most beautiful things in the entire world (laughs) but nonetheless it is it's this big picture film and then you focus in on the people who are on the ground who are who are americans who are to their core americans and they believe in american values Absolutely. And I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a great film. And I want to let people know again that it's going to be screening on September 25th on YouTube. And you should check that out. Now, is, is this part of the pay part of YouTube or is it, a, is it something they'll be able to? It's like our public lands. It's free to you and me. Okay. Well, even better. And gosh darn it, I can't leave you without mentioning the fact, David Byers, I can't leave without mentioning the fact that... Uh, Robert Redford is one of your executive producers, and congratulations on getting the imprature of one of our leading environmental activists. Congrats on that. Right. Thank you very much. Yeah, he's, he's really provided a, a real nice uh, signal boost and also, you know, real tangible good notes on the film as well, you know. Well, fantastic. Well, now that he's no longer a part of the Sundance Film Festival in terms of an administrative role, it's good to see him still out there active and doing the things that he loves and promoting the things that he thinks are important. So thank you, David Byers, for the film, Public Trust. Thank you so much for your work. And I hope you continue to keep an eye on these bastards and and move forward with whatever project you've got coming up. Please come back to Film School Radio. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Whenever you want me, I'll come back here. This is great. I really love your show. So thanks so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.